All right, open your Bibles, please, to the book of Ephesians, uh, chapter 5. And while you find that, I'll tell you that we've been moving through this book uh, verse by verse. We started in chapter 1, verse 1, and uh, here we are in chapter 5. And um, I'll tell you what, for sake of time, our focus is going to be on verse 21. So let me just read it, and we will refer to um, a good uh, number of other passages here today. Uh, Verse 21 of Ephesians 5. Uh, For some of you, it's in mid-sentence. For others, it's a a complete new sentence. But uh, my version says this, the ESV. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's the end of a long string of instruction about walking carefully and wisely. So let's pray one more time. Father, may the truth be spoken and received here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I think I told you uh, this uh, story years ago. I'm not positive, but I think I did tell you years ago that when I was in high school, I had this friend named Brian, and uh, I was at their house all the time. I met him in fifth grade. We're still friends today. I met him at church. Still have a great relationship with Brian. But uh, when I was in high school, probably 17 years old, they went on vacation, uh, his family. I was over at their house all the time. And uh, they gave me the responsibility of watering the plants, so I went to water the plants while they were on vacation, and I, I kind of messed around the house and ate some stuff out of their pantry, and then I went up to uh, Brian's room and played his 12-string guitar because he had a 12-string, and that was kind of cool. And So I was up there picking, and uh, I heard these car doors slam, just dramatically. And I went, oh, no. I looked out the front window, and there were five cop cars in this cove all lined up. I went, <laughs> so I ran to the back of the house, and I looked out the back window, and there were these SWAT guys, SWAT you know, like hut, hut, you know, all around the backyard. And uh, so the cops were surrounding the house. I was absolutely petrified. And I came out the front door just... <laughs> and uh, so a neighbor had seen somebody, and, you know, my 10-speed was on the porch and everything. You know, it's not like I had a van full of, you know. Um, and so, uh, but the whole incident, as scared as I was, was cleared up very quickly when I produced the key. I was also able to describe many things in the house, like where the Oreos were kept and uh, where his younger sister's Barbies were kept because we used to shoot the heads off of them with a pellet gun. And um, I knew all kinds of things. I knew everything. I knew where the, I just knew where everything was. And so um, to, to, to top it all off, of course, I had the key. Now, the reason I start that way is to say this. Um, you know that I love expository preaching. Um, basically, in a, in, a, in a short sentence, it would be to say, that this is what the passage means, so that's the message of the sermon, all right? So that's what expository preaching is. I love for people to actually be able to point to the passage and see where I'm getting my sermon points, see where I'm getting my main idea, and go, oh, he's not crazy. It's right there. I really enjoy doing that, and uh, so that's, that's, that's what I'm all about. But I really felt like um, I need to deviate from that slightly today and stick in verse 21 because the Holy Spirit just was not allowing to allowing me to move on. So um, for our purposes today, the main idea I'd like to present to you is this. Any human governance is a subordinate authority. And now that's a fancy way of saying that the only time we have any authority as human beings in this life, the only time we have any rights or privileges or time or possessions Any sway whatsoever, the only time we have it is when God has handed us the key. 
So all the stuff you have isn't your stuff. All the time you have isn't your time. All the privileges, responsibilities, all the smarts you have, they're not yours. They're not yours. God has handed you a key so that any human governance is a subordinate authority, subordinate to God's. And you see how that absolutely changes everything. At no time, ladies and gentlemen, are we operating in our own power or authority. Uh, In all of our dealings with people in the world around us, we are subject to a higher authority, one who has very specific expectations. So with that uh, laid out, let's go to our first point, which is this. All humans uniquely bear God's image. Turn, if you would, to Genesis chapter 1. We'll spend a little bit of time in Genesis this morning. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. This is a creation account. And um, so, you know, in the beginning, God created all kinds of things, and he spoke, and it was so, and he spoke, and it was so. And um, then, then finally, it says in verse 27 this, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now, if you've got an ESV, you'll see a footnote at the bottom of it that says the Hebrew word for man is Adam, and of course that is the, that's the generic term for mankind, and it eventually becomes Adam's name. Okay, but what I'm saying to you is this. It's no slight uh, to women whatsoever. In fact, if you see uh, my point up there, all humans uniquely bear God's image, you see that I'm saying uh, precisely the opposite of any lessening of, uh, of females, and certainly God uh, finds that to be very important too, that he builds it right into the creation account. We are all created in the image of God equally. But the reason I bring this to your attention is this. It's quite clear that as human beings, men and women, are created in the image of God, we're completely distinct from all other uh, created things. Now, it's true that, you know, we have fingers and toes and blood courses through our veins, and we share, we share things with other created beings. But um, look at verse 28. God blessed them, this male and female. God blessed them, and God said to them, Not anybody else. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. The fish and the birds don't have dominion over us. We have dominion over them. They are not charged with filling and subduing the earth. We are. Is a human life more important than an animal's life? Yes. We have dominion over the earth. We're the caretakers of the earth. God creates life, right? So we have a creating God. God creates life. But then what does he do with us? He gives us the key. And through human sexuality, through procreation, what do we, we, what do we get to do? Create life in a sense. Now, it's him creating life, but he creates life through us. And so we've got a creating God. And what do we do? We carry on his creating work. God's first self-expression is in the beginning God created, and we get to create too. We carry on his work. He hands us the key. What about this? God loves and relates. Well, we love and relate, don't we? Um, God has a moral sense. Um, We have a moral sense. We think things are either right or wrong, don't we? How about this? God is a person. He's a personal God. He's a communicative God. Well, we're communicative and personal, aren't we? Uh, We think um, we're we're self-aware. 
We're persons too, just like God. Um, God has a dominion over all. Well, he charges us with dominion also. And you could go on making lots of comparisons. It's a, it's a, a theological point people make all kinds of comparisons to, that what, what it means to be an image bearer. Those are, are some things. And uh, you could add God's uh, communicable attributes, too. I mean, we share those things, too. He shares those things with us and through us. But I want to highlight three important things that I think we get from the creation account here that pertain to our passage back in Ephesians, what that means uh, to submit to, to one another out of reverence for Christ. And that is the idea of offices that God has given us, all right? So we as image bearers, we share certain things, but as, as caretakers of the earth, as ones who, who God has given dominion to, we have offices that we carry out that, um, also, that also mirror God's work, okay? Office number one is this, that we have a, a, um, a kingly control. Um, it's important to note that the first command that God uh, gives after he blesses mankind, you know, in verse 28, he says, and God blessed them. That the very next thing is this, um, God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. So you see that governance is built into the fabric of creation. At no time did God decide to build an earth and just go, ah, I'm just going to see what happens. No, he installs caretakers, he gives them authority, and he says, I want you to have dominion over it, I want you to subdue it. (coughs) And um, basically the idea is to uh, make creation subservient, that's the idea, to subdue it. Now the earth is to be subservient to whom? Men and women. And who else? God who gave the decree. So God who passed the key says, I want you to have dominion, and so there's this kingly controlling office. That, that we have been entrusted with, this, this office of, of governance. So on the one hand, we're to turn the earth into a habitation. You know that it, it wasn't supposed to be just hang out in a garden. It was to be make the earth a place of human habitation. Subdue the earth. Tame the earth. Make it a beautiful place according to the original creator's wishes for his design. So that's the first office we have is a kingly controlling office, Okay. Another office we see here from the, uh, from the creation account is this, uh, a prophetic office, which is also an extension of God's authority. The controlling one is, the prophetic office is too. Now, it's very interesting. Um, God self, God, the first thing God does, uh, if Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created well, now, that, of course, that speaks to a kingly office, as I said, a controlling, authoritative, governing office, right? But what, is, what else is this? In the beginning, God created? What is that? That, ladies and gentlemen, is God speaking to his creation. God speaks in his word. It's a prophetic, uh, it's a prophetic office, um, God speaks. It's his first self-expression. And uh, man's first experience with God is an experience of words. If you look at verse uh, 28 again, God blessed them. And God said to them. In verse 29 again, and God said. So the first activity then given to man after God speaks to them is also linguistic. Adam names the animals. And notice the way he goes about doing this. Um, Where is it? Uh, Yeah, yeah. Check this out in in chapter 2, verse 18. 
Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. Now you notice that other stuff is written after that. It doesn't just go to the woman that God creates. Other stuff is written. What happens? Well, uh, God, he makes all these uh, creatures and he has Adam name them. So what does this speaking, communicative God, this, this one with, with, a, with a, an oracle, um, a word, what does he do with his creation? He says, I want you to name the animals, and Adam speaks. So there's a prophetic office that Adam has also. And you notice that it's very important um, uh, when it comes to um, Eve also that, um, look at verse 21. The Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on the man. And while he slept, he took one of the ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man he had made into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Now, I just, isn't it cool? God, God says it's not good for man to be alone. It's not like God made a deficient creation and didn't know what his plan was going to be. He did know what his plan was going to be. But what he does is he takes Adam and he says, all right, I want you to survey all this cool stuff. And uh, go ahead and name all the animals. I want you to have dominion and authority over them. So name all the animals. And, uh, and Adam goes, okay, mm, a boy rhinoceros and a lady rhinoceros and a boy giraffe and a lady giraffe and a, mm-hmm, and a boy and a girl 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 and a boy and a girl. And uh, it's not good for man to be alone. Adam's, Adam surveys the creation. He goes, you know what? The hippopotamus just ain't getting it for me. I, uh, they're, they're cool. I'm just not sensing a closeness uh, like they seem to have with each other. And at that point, God says, hey, he makes a woman. And Adam names her too. But the, the significant thing is, She's flesh of, I have goosebumps talking about it. I, he, she's flesh of his flesh. And he goes, ah, another image bearer, another co-caretaker of the earth that God has given us dominion over together. It's profound, ladies and gentlemen. And, and so Adam names Eve. Adam names womankind. But you know that he's also still under authority. God has handed a key, and it's still God's ultimate authority. And she is to see in all that that she is equal in her image bearing and also separated from all other creatures. So you've got a control office, a kingly office, right? You've got a prophetic office, a word, uh, a, a word office, a linguistic office. And then the third office we see here in the creation account is a, is a priestly office. And we'll spend the least amount of time on this one, but the, the whole point, friends, is that um, God be brought glory. Um, what does a priest do? A priest intercedes between God and man, right? A priest prays. A priest ministers. A priest leads. A priest worships. A priest is a conduit of blessing. And that is an office that God has given us as human beings. We're to be a conduit of blessing. Uh, we're to take everything that God has created. We're to look at the world around us and not just go, hey, man, how can I just take whatever I want and get the most out of life and enjoy myself? That's not, that's not what's supposed to be. It's not wrong to enjoy yourself. Enjoy yourself. Enjoy yourself. But we're supposed to be surveying the whole world saying, how 
am I supposed to live to take what God has put in my sphere and bring him glory with what he's made? All right, so those are three creation offices that have to do with this idea. All humans uniquely bear God's image, and there's all kinds of cool stuff built into the creation account concerning that. All right, second thing I'd like you to see today is this. Fallen humans claim that which isn't theirs. Turn to Romans, if you would, the book of Romans. Uh, Chapter 3, verse 9, Romans 3, verse 9. What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written, listen, none is righteous. No, not one. Not one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. And that's the summary of that whole sad scene. There is no fear of God before their eyes. You see how that, ladies and gentlemen, is the opposite of image bearing. Um, No one, this is a paraphrase of verse 11, no one adheres to the maker's design. Here's a paraphrase of verse 11 again. No one even understands our deficiencies. You know, left to ourselves, we go, eh, I'm not so bad. I'm pretty good. I've done a lot of good things, commendable things, commendable things, kind, kind things, give generous things. I've done generous things. It's not what the Bible thinks about you. To also to paraphrase uh, verse 11, no one even seeks God. Let me paraphrase verse 12. All have turned from God's plans. So rather than subservience and submission to God's authority, what sin has done is take creation and tarnish it, and the result is individualism and autonomy. There's a break between the designer's plans. We say, you know what? We don't want the key because we kick the door in. We don't want your key. We want to have our own authority. We want hands off. We want to live this life on this earth that, that uh, we, we just want to enjoy and be self-focused. Um, And the exaltation of self is the opposite of submission. And thus, self, ladies and gentlemen, is at the core of uh, all that is wrong with our humanity. And as one writer put it, he said this, the Christian is an individual. That is true. You are an individual. You're a person. You're an individual. It's true. But at no time are we to be individualistic. The moment you are individualistic, you are wrong. That's a good quote, isn't it? You know why you're wrong if you're individualistic? Because you weren't designed to be individualistic. As image bearers, there's this responsibility and the, the, the responsibility for humankind in this world is, is thrown over all of it. 
uh, the Bible, God himself in his creative action, goes out of his way to make sure that uh, he knows that we're not to be moving through this life alone, but we're to be moving through this life with other people for whom we have uh, responsibilities. You know, um, I've seen people from time to time with marital issues, and um, I mean, I've got a couple calls even this last week or so, um, just people having problems in their marriage. And and uh, I've shared some of this with you before, but you meet with somebody and, and uh, you say, well, uh, sir and madam, uh, what seems to be the problem? And uh, it, I've never seen it go any other way than this. Never, 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 never. It always starts out with, well... You should see the way he. Oh, he goes, man. She's just a. Just well, I don't ever get any respect around the house. Well, every time I come home, there's junk. What are you doing? You know that that's the opposite of the way that you're supposed to come in. You're not supposed to say, I'm an individual and I have some rights and some expectations, and he's not meeting my needs. Why don't people come in and say, you know what, I, I, I don't know how we got here, and uh, we're full of pain, and she's goofed up and I'm goofed up, but I know that um, I'm too individualistic, too selfish, and I need to learn how to die to self better. Can you help me do that? Me too. I need to learn how to die to self too. I need to, to put my wishes aside and, and try to discover what he needs from me. That, that never happens. But that's what's supposed to happen. That's what's supposed to happen. We're not supposed to come with, as individuals with rights and privileges. No, God's got the key. We're supposed to be coming and saying, God, how do you want us to live? How do you want me to relate to her? How do you want me to relate to him? Not how I feel like I should. How do you want me to do it? You have the key. Now, should we be considerate? Yes. Should our needs be tended to? Yes. But uh, in, in marital issues, and I'll, I'll say relational issues, struggles, um, it, it, it usually stems from a man or woman starting with their own selves. And the starting place, if you want an application for your life, the starting place to health for you in any aspect of living is to yield your privileges and rights to the God of authority. That's the place of health is to say, Lord, I yield my life to you. Give me the grace to yield all things to you. What are your plans for me? What does your word hold for me? Uh, how can I die to myself and love other people better? Um, you know, what we want is to start with our own vantage point, which is what secular psychology does all the time. Let's get to you. Let's go way back. Let me, here, hold on. Watch the ball. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to get some memories out of you. I don't know if you dreamed them or thought them up or what, but we're going to get something out of you. We're going to go way back and find about about It's all going to be about you. Well, you know, um, that, that can be important, but um, to understand why you are, why, why you are doing what you're doing, but um, y- you want to know, know shorthand for that whole attitude? It's this. There is no fear of God before their eyes when you start with yourself. All right, our last point. We're in the home stretch here. Uh, redeemed humans joyfully yield all privileges. At least that's what we desire. 
Uh, that's our deep heart's desire. There is, of course, much to, more to talk about in the coming weeks, uh, but let's wrap up today with, with this, uh, which is what you want. You want something uh, really uh, relevant and, and um, you want something really helpful, right? Okay, so let's look at, um, let's look at verse 21 of, uh, back in Ephesians. Let's bring it on back. Verse 21 of Ephesians. You know, that, that's, the last, uh, that's the last part of a sentence that starts, um, oh, um, oh, it's a couple sentences. Verse 15, look carefully how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of time. Um, don't be foolish, but know what the Lord of the w- will of the Lord is. Don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Um, give thanks, and so on. But it, it closes with submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And you notice that it's got out of reverence for Christ in there. Some of your translations have God in there, but it's really supposed to be Christ. Out of reverence for Christ. But notice, if you read on, wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Um, You go on to verse 25. Husbands love your wives as Christ loved. It goes on to talk about children in verse uh, chapter 6. Children obey your parents. It doesn't stop there, though. Children obey your parents in the Lord. Fathers, in verse 4, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And then you get into this crazy stuff um, that isn't that crazy. In verse 5, slaves, wow, that's wild, but serve as you would Christ. In verse 6, as servants of Christ. Uh, Verse 9, masters, do the same to them. Stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven. Uh, Verse 10, finally be strong. In the Lord. Now, we'll talk about all that stuff, all the complexities and so on. But my point is, you see that the, the recurring theme is as to the Lord, as to the Lord, as to the Lord, as to the Lord. And the point is, we're image bearers, and he's got the key. He's the one who gives authority. He's the one who gets this aside how things are supposed to be. And uh, when it comes to this whole issue of submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, that's, that's the idea is that we're all operating under his authority. We all yield to his will and no one else's. We all yield to his authority. So in design, all was to be done in the fear of the Lord. In the fall, there was no longer any fear of the Lord. In redemption, all of life is to be done in the fear of the Lord. So winding it all back home uh, to our big point. Um, any human governance is a subordinate authority. And that's a rather heady way of saying simply, it's God's design, not your design. He has a plan for the way we're to operate. It's his plan, not ours. God has built a careful and wise and loving governance of his creation into his creation and into the redemption of his creation because he knows how we were made. He knows how best we operate he knows what will make us happiest. He knows what our challenges are. And uh, more on that next time. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Let's pray. <sighs> Father, thank you for your love for us, um, your care for us. Even when we were in sin, you sent your own son to die for us. And thank you for your word, for speaking to us, for communicating with us, for dealing with us, for hearing us, for loving us. We know that all those things are 
a matter of grace. And so our prayer is, Lord, that as we proceed with this week and in the weeks to come, that you'll help us, Lord. Help us remember that uh, you've got the key. You've got all the authority. You own all the stuff, and you own us. So show our hearts the right way to live, uh, that it might bring you glory and help us. We're um, impotent without the Holy Spirit's help. So we pray these things in his power and in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all.